Hey, this is Mike Bob, and I'm a guy who used to make things, and sometimes I still do. These days, I prefer making podcasts, and I have a new one called Soundtrack to My Life. On this podcast, I talk to different creative people about the music that shaped them. Sometimes the conversations are funny, and sometimes they're just kind of sweet. I love that Pina Colada song. Yeah, I do. Rihanna has had a huge impact on my songwriting. I'm diving into the ocean, finding that one fish that has the toxins, and I'm just drinking those toxins all day. Maybe they're saying, like, you should now go forth and rock. It's like a peace be with you situation. I also have a playlist called F Jams. One and two. Just in case. We danced to a jazz version of my favorite things. Soundtrack to my life. It's available exclusive on Spotify. It's a exclusive. I'm going to try to make that word take off. It's a music plus talk show, meaning I can play songs in their entirety. So think of this as an interactive playlist with some of the coolest creative people I know. And you should know, too. Soundtrack to my life. A Spotify exclusive. Episode five. I uh, am Mike Bobbitt. And I'm Bob Wick. This is episode five of the show. It's called Worlds Apart. It's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. Not my favorite of the ones we've watched so far. No, nope. I didn't hate it. Still find it. Still find them very interesting, uh, entertaining. Yeah, me too. Um, I realize I I've been going to the Voyagers Guidebook.net as a resource to have some of this information at my fingertips. The Omni isn't working. It's uh, it's a little battle worn, a little dirty. So um, it's malfunctioning. They start off in Siberia, but they're not really sure what the time is. Yes. And then it just kind of um, blinks them to 1917. Now, because uh, people listening to the show will be able to tell in about 20 minutes that we record these episodes out of order sometimes where we do the improv section first. So right. I just ruined the magic. Oh, man. Like behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> or, well, I, I figure I would rather say that than have people go like what he said the correct year 20 minutes ago and now he can't remember so in 20 minutes voyagers <laughs> i will forget what year <laughs> lawrence of arabia was lawrence of arabia was played by judson scott who is did you the, recognize him at all is he from the warriors or something he looks familiar he does look familiar he plays the bad guy on a lot of stuff um okay 
he most notably played um, Ricardo Montalban's sidekick in Star Trek Wrath of Khan. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and I then, vaguely remember that, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, he actually was in um, many Star Trek Next Generation and, you know, stuff okay. like that. Uh, he was also a returning a semi-regular in the V television series. Oh. Um, but he plays a bad guy a lot. And yeah. um, I went on to a deep dive about Judson Scott's career after watching this episode. I love when you do this. Tell me, what did you find? <laughs> Okay, so he <laughs> is a classically trained actor from Juilliard, uh, also a concert pianist wow. um, and a surfer and a stand-up comedian, which I think just means that he gives funny talks at Comic-Cons because yeah. he primarily makes his living now at Star Trek conventions. So this is what I don't understand about him. He is a conventionally attractive looking guy. Very. Yeah. Yep. He's six foot three. He's good looking. He's a fine enough actor. I, I don't think we really see him do much in this episode. Well, I mean, he's acting in a, a sitcom, so it's different kind of acting than you would yeah. do. Yeah, like a theater uh, play or something. Yeah. Play. Those um, theater plays that actors do. Yeah. yeah. I feel like he's doing kind of a Peter O'Toole uh, uh, imitation, yeah. you know, instead of like trying to do his own thing with Lawrence of Arabia. And he probably was directed to do that because that's yeah. uh, these guys don't know what Lawrence of Arabia is. I do. I, I seen the movie. They do it yeah. that way. But, you know, he was born and raised in California and he does a decent enough English accent. It, yeah, it's passable. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to figure out why didn't he become a star? Like he's just a guy who shows up on like one episode of Dukes of Hazard as a bad guy and one episode of like the fall guy as a bad guy. He did have a television series that he was the star in that only lasted like one season as shows were wont to do back then. But, right. you know, he's not a bad actor and he's a handsome guy. You know what I think it is? I think it's that kind of abstract it factor like, yeah. While he is a handsome guy and, and all that, like he doesn't have any sort of magnetism that really makes you right. Yeah. Like he doesn't have that charisma or anything like yeah. that. He that, doesn't push people away, but he doesn't draw people in. Yeah. But, but he does have that sort of energy where you're like, yeah, I, I could see you playing bad guys a lot. Like, right. Yeah, I, I just thought it was kind of interesting that he ended up, even though he trained juilliard isn't anything oh, to scoff at let me ask you this do you think the reason he plays bad guys is because he gives off a kind of energy that makes it easier for him to play a character that is supposed to be off-putting yeah you know like he, he doesn't have like i'm not saying him the the actor himself is an off-putting person but if you're not that charismatic not charismatic enough to be a lead that it's easier to go the other way where you can just fake being so off-putting that you know you can convey that easier yeah you're at zero you know basically so right you, know, you can subtract from zero rather than add to it when it comes to personality yeah it is kind of interesting that um i think it's an extra factor towards you know how they say to make it it you know it's a lot of preparation plus sure. luck i i think it's also you just have to be born with some sort of oh, innate yeah. charm so absolutely yeah i mean I, I, locally I, I can think of you know 
performers, not not male, male and female, who are just like they can start doing something and it becomes fun and funny, and the whole theater would want to join in on it. Yeah, just because so and so is ahead of it, and it just yeah, it just seems like a good, great idea. Why aren't we doing this? You know, like almost like a Pied Piper type situation. Like their 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 thoughts, their feelings just convey easier and are just more accessible to a, 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 an audience or a crowd. Right. Uh, it kind of um, <laughs> the comedian in me is going to make this about me. Um, <laughs> it kind it. of makes me realize that I don't have that it factor where people, as soon as they see me just instantly like me, I think I'm a likable person, but you know, someone like my friend DJ Dangler, who I've created a lot of stuff with, I think he has that it factor that as soon as he walks on stage, you're just instantly like, oh, I like this guy. Yeah. And, no, and- I feel you, man. I got to fight for it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I got so all right win him over yeah so i yeah that was um that was one of my two big takeaways from this episode Uh, so the episode starts uh there's a war going on between uh the turks and um the arabs with um lawrence of arabia helping them out and then the omni like i said earlier is not working to its full potential jeffrey ends up jumping out leaping out (laughs) well not leaping because that's quantum leap but leaping yeah Yeah. leaping (laughs) ends up in uh 1879 uh uh new jersey hanging out with the edisons that was the other uh big thing that i I deep dived with uh, Stephen Keats plays Thomas Edison. How old do you think he is when this episode was made? See, he's he, that character actor is very familiar to me because he is another person who pops up in a lot of things in my childhood. Yep. I know he looks older, so I'm going to guess young because I think he's one of those people who always looked old. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say he was 31. Okay, <laughs> you're mean. He's 38, <laughs> uh, okay. but still, he's younger than both of us. But he looks, he looks older. Old. Yeah, yeah. Than at least you. No. I'm, yeah. If they lined us up, it, it would go him, and then one of us, and then the other one. Yeah. Okay. Well, me. <laughs> it's nice of you to not say me, but yeah, had a hard life. A uh, Vietnam vet. He was a scout had to um, basically decide where um, U.S. troops were going to carpet bomb. And it stuck with him for his entire life. And he ended up killing himself when he was my age, when he was 48. He was, like you said, he's a guy who, a character actor who we grew up with and saw in a lot of things, you know. And and he, he always played that type, like, lovable but but with a rough edge yep um, he had a really good jersey look to him like the way yeah. he talks like come on you know like yeah. well i'm over exaggerating but like you know but i think it's funny that thomas edison is from ohio yeah but they gave him this really heavy new jersey kind yeah. of yeah yeah but yeah yeah played a lot of like cops and stuff like that and was also right. on soap operas um, really? Yeah. But uh, yeah, was gainfully employed. And this is always set. His son found his body. And oh. uh, yeah. So sad, short life for Stephen Keats, who um, was a really neat character actor. Yeah. I, 
I wonder if it was a choice he made because Thomas Edison was deaf in one ear to make Thomas Edison kind of hard of hearing. And I wish yeah. I had known that ahead of time to see if they were consistent about him not hearing out of one ear more than oh the other. God. That just solidified so many issues. Okay. That makes a lot more sense now that he was, I hope he was going for it. Cause yes, yes. They were doing that. Like what? And he, was, uh-huh. like, <laughs> I can think of at least two moments where someone says something to him in his left ear and he can't hear them. But I'm wondering if it is consistent throughout the entire. That's episode. amazing. Yeah, that's such a cool detail. Let it go. Yeah. Roger. Yeah. But let me ask you this. It, it's okay. such a, a cool detail. This theory, the series is mostly for entertainment. But also yeah. with the if you want to learn more about Thomas Edison, you can <laughs> look him up at your library. Yo, why do you got? I don't know. Why do you stick the landing a little bit harder and mention? Oh, watch out, you got to talk to Mr. Thomas is right here. He's definitely left, left here. But then again, that's I'm debating myself now. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, for the younger, you know, for the kids, I, I would think it's a waste of dialogue. But, you know, just mention it, you know, hey, you know, I'm hard of hearing this year. Talk to my good one. I don't know. Yeah, because his um, his apprentice or his right hand man does deliver an awful lot of exposition. So, yes, he does. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the, the guy whose hands are too big to make filaments. So yep. need a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh and who's the other guy, sir? That's JP Morgan, the biggest banker in the land. <laughs> this episode had some weird directorial choices where um, I think it was the most poorly directed episode that we've seen yet. Yeah. You know what else I didn't like about it? I know why they did it for variety's sake, having an episode where each of them had to, to deal with their own issue or, you know, had their own adventure to go on, you know? Yeah. But the chemistry is between the kid and, and, and Phineas. Uh, and Phineas, yeah. Bog, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, not having a lot of that kind of on the screen wasn't, I don't know. Yeah. It's one of those things like um, when you have like the first movie of a group of people, it's the star Wars empire strikes back syndrome. Seeing Han and Luke act off of each other in a new hope is great, but then we're splitting them up pretty much at the beginning of empire strikes back. And they don't really have, you know, and and we split them up halfway through return of the Jedi, but yeah, I think one of the reasons that maybe a lot of people hold a new hope so near and dear is that we have the core group, Luke, Leia and Han Solo all together together. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it was a little weird. I I think um, Jeffrey Jones works best when bouncing off of Phineas Bogg. I didn't like that. He just became kind of like a crybaby mess. Right. I mean, when they're together, he's the brains of the operation. Absolutely. And yeah. he, he has confidence and, you know, he can take care of like, unless you bring up his dead parents, he's pretty <laughs> stable, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This one had a lot of choices that were a little bit different from previous episodes. Um, there Same is writer or yep, it- it's well, I think this is from like a weird era of television where it, and, or maybe it's just James Perriott's, um in his contract because he's the show creator, he's listed as the primary writer on pretty much all the episodes. 
Um, so it's like a Batman situation. Yeah, there are other writers credited on this one, too, but uh, he is listed first. Um, it doesn't have Bog inappropriately falling for the female of the era. There is right. a um, female Medina. She had a rescue plan. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia is captured and they have to try to rescue him so, to make that timeline, give them the little green light. And Phineas has a plan that doesn't work out too well, but there are a group of freedom fighters seemingly led by this woman, Medina, and her plan would have worked much better. And she's actually not really a damsel in distress. She, uh, no, I kind of, I like that twist. That was nice. Yeah, like, she's probably the strongest female that we've seen in the show so far. Well, I mean, for, for an eighties, this is like a, I would call more of a male, like uh, eccentric type uh, show, like having a female who's, who's, who's strong and doesn't rely or doesn't fall for the lead. Just having someone who can hold her own. That's really cool. Yeah. She unfortunately had a very sparse career before this. She did a movie called Concrete Jungle, which is one of those, um, you know, women behind bars type movies. And I wonder if it's because she is Middle Eastern of, you know, some sort. She really after Voyagers, even though she worked till 1995, only has five credits. Like really? she worked every few years doing like one episode of Remington Steel, one episode of Cagney and Lacey, a couple TV right. movies, and then one episode of a TV series called The Marshall from 1995. And all of her characters pretty much have Middle Eastern names. And, of course. you know, it's, it's kind of a shame because she... Yeah. She's pretty good in this episode. She's really good. She's great yeah. in this episode. She's one of the yeah. she gives one of the strongest acting performances in this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it's a as far as all the characters in this episode, hers is written the best. I would think you had the strongest choices, had a clear character want, had like had emotional range. Uh I enjoyed it. Yeah. There was the guy who I I don't think he ever got a name. I'm assuming because there was oh, someone yeah. listed as the prisoner who's sort of yeah. like the, um, you know, yeah, there's another way out of here, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, I like that guy too. Remind me of Subi sales a little bit. In a yeah. Way. yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing he's Marius Mazmanian. Uh, Mazmanian. It looks like an Armenian last name, and he looks like he might have been Armenian. Yeah, I like that guy. He's uh, he's pretty neat. Uh, still acting, apparently, if it is that guy uh, has a credit as of 2019. Uh, yeah, a lot of one episodes of TV series and shorts and stuff like that. So, um, you know, who knows if acting is his full time gig, but uh, that guy was pretty cool. I yeah, if you would have said stand up, I, I, I would have. I would have believed you. Yeah, uh, I, I could see him as a stand up as well, too. Yeah. So because it's delivery. Uh, yeah. 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 Or, or maybe he's a theater guy. Um, That's true. Yeah, because it is. Yeah, because he did have theater delivery. So Jeffrey helps Thomas Edison invite uh, invent the light bulb accidentally because his shirt is ripped and then thomas edison realizes that he just has to throw thread in the kiln to carbonize it and then that will work so jeffrey 
suddenly is not as smart as he had been in the past. He's just kind of saying like, oh, I don't think it happened this way. I don't I don't think that happened that way, even though he seems to know a lot about history. Really? Yeah. He he knew who the top ace pilot in World War One was. He doesn't know how to make a filament. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you're making me sound silly. (laughs) I I, I get you. Thomas Edison has taken apart the Omni to figure out how it works. After they invent the light bulb, he puts it back together again. It's working better than ever. Jeffrey goes back just by falling down on the commandant who's about to execute bog and lawrence it helps them save the day yeah it it feels like they had the idea for the episode and they kind of just threw the ending together yeah yeah Yeah, the ending does the wheels fall off a little bit a little bit a little bit can we talk really quick about the guy who was in charge of the ampage to the light bulb when it was being invented (laughs) yeah and his acting skills because that guy whoa uh he conveys tension like no one has ever and will <laughs> ever again uh, yeah was, that guy was intensely moving that throttle yeah i, I thought a couple of his, the wires were connected to his arm or something like he was getting a shock <laughs> yeah that guy was cool <laughs> because i did a handful of uh extra a little bit of extra work here and there and um I'm always super aware of extras and how they behave in scenes. And there's um, one when Bog is walking around who is stirring something in a bucket. And it seems like they told her, yeah, just stir this, you know, use this spoon and stir. So she just does that really robotic. It almost looks like yeah. you're going through the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. <laughs> she's afraid to do anything else. And I just love watching bad performances by extras. And um, yeah. she gives one of the worst ones I've seen in a long time. This very mechanically stirring, probably nothing in a bucket. <laughs> well, maybe she, yeah, yeah. Maybe she was worried to really hit the side and make sound or something. I don't know. I'm trying to give her a justification. I feel bad for the lady. Yeah. You might listen to this and be like, I did. I did store, stir the, the, the pot wrong. I, <laughs> I quit <laughs> 30 years later. I quit. <laughs> yeah. If you ever see, particularly in restaurants, extras in the background, rarely eat, but they always just sort of nod at each other. Yeah. And what I love doing when I was uh, an extra in a restaurant sitting with a complete stranger, pretending like we were enjoying a nice meal out is I would always disagree and look kind of like upset at whatever they were saying. So I would always end up sitting there with like, you know, a, a woman, a very pretty young lady, just kind of smiling and nodding at me. And I would just act it act all indignant like me. That's no. not when Lawrence of the no. Arabian happened. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> wrong <laughs> i love doing that see how much i love it i could get away with before i was told to um not get, get a tap on your shoulder uh excuse me yeah, yeah we you're kind of pulling focus on that scene and um, i love extras that's awesome i love extras too that think that central casting love to give the story about how brad pitt was discovered as an extra so you have a lot of extras that are like i don't know this this one could be my big break it's like, oh, no. yeah, well, it, it's not, but OK. Or um, the ones that think they're more important than basically a chair in the background. It's like, no, you're your scenery. 
your animated mm-hmm. scenery, but that's it. Take you out. You just have an empty restaurant. That looks weird. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I had um, a neighbor that lived in our building in LA who was an extra on season one of Westworld dressed up like oh. a train conductor. And he was like, I don't know if it gets renewed for season two. You never know. They might have an entire storyline about the train conductor. It and could be. be. My big- <laughs> I was like, well, then they're going to hire an actor because you're a guy who fit the conductor costume. Your character got fired and they hired the new guy. (laughs) And he's played by an actor we recognize. (laughs) When I was at Second City taking classes, uh, there was a girl who was in the same level as I was. I I knew of her because she's a really nice girl. I had to make up a class because I would, you know, my class were on Sunday and I think it was Mother's Day. I couldn't make it. So I, I, you could do that. You can go to another class and take it and make up the one you missed. Uh, while I was there, everybody, it was a really cool, cool crowd. And uh, she had just finished uh, the Island. Okay. Was, yeah, was filmed in Detroit. That's when all the, the movies started coming up and getting filmed in Detroit. Was that you and Ewan McGregor? The one about clones? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And she's like, I am in the Island. Like that's how she introduced herself to me. I am in the <laughs> Island. Uh, yeah, and actually, like, and I guess she came from a well-to-do family because her dad had rented out one of the Imagine Theater uh, uh, screens uh-huh. to show. So we all could like, and she's like, yeah, uh, there's plenty of seats. If you want to bring a couple friends, uh, that's cool. Like, the more the merrier. Oh, no. <laughs> so we got there and it was really nice. And, you know, I, I got a free movie out of it. Yeah, and we go there. And I think. She is one of the people walking down the street doing it. <laughs> and she gets up in the middle of the theater like, that is me. And we all clap like, awesome. Yay, man. And then oh, we my. don't see her again the entire movie. And I was like, wow. So that was my first encounter with that. And I've, Did she continue with improv? No. No, oh. That's why I, I wouldn't tell that story if I didn't yeah. think she would never see this. Yeah. <laughs> and today you may know her as Lauren Arnett. <laughs> yeah. yep. Which would never be Lauren Arnett. I just wanted to pick someone that is an exceptionally cool human being as, yes. in addition to being a great performer, too. Yeah. I don't want that to seem like a slight on Lauren Arnett because no. I it have a good name. It's a fun yeah. name. I've, I'm I'm going to leave that in the episode too. So, That's good. Yeah, got to learn too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I'm using her name as the, yeah. the most ironic example of someone who would not be well, so silly. Also, can you imagine Lauren Arnett jumping up and being like, "Yes," you were like having a false sense of yeah, yeah. no, no. Lauren knows herself, and she yeah. Yeah. Now we have to have Lauren Arnett on an episode of the show. I, so, agree. Yeah. I love Lauren Arnett. Yeah. She did one of my favorite episodes of the Truthcast. She is. Oh, uh, real? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's phenomenal. I'm a big oh, yeah. fan. Speaking of improvisers, let's do a scene based on this episode. Who is going to uh, drop in? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have our friend, uh, my friend, who will be your friend very shortly. His name is Gary Lehman. And let's let's. See what he's got to do. Do you think he'll be able to correct us on whether or not I, for some reason, forget whether or not Lawrence of Arabia was 1817 or 1917? I I know he will because Gary knows everything about history. Everything. I would give him an Omni for real. Man, I hope he gives us some dark trivia about Thomas Edison. If there's only a way to tell the future. (laughs) 
I wonder how this goes. I hope no, this. I hope no we have way, fun. No way we can possibly know this until it happens. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So uh, dropping in, Bob, we have your friend, Gary Lehman, who is yeah, the education yeah. director from the Pointless Brewery and Theater in Ann Arbor. It's good to meet you, Gary. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, buddy. Good seeing you. Good seeing you, too. I've never been to the Pointless. Tell me about it a little bit. Uh, well, it was uh, a brewery, so that set it apart. Mm-hmm. Um, is it still a brewery? It actually, the theater space has uh, closed. Right. Because of the pandemic or. Yeah. OK. Um, yeah. Because they've been closed since March and yeah. who knows when any theater will be able to open. Right. But they kept all the stuff. So they still we had two spaces. We had the theater space and the training center. Mm-hmm. And uh, we still have the training center. Well, it's all there awaiting the next space. So. Uh, okay. That is the plan. As soon as any as soon as all this gets figured out uh vaccines or whatever and things start to get back to whatever the new normal is going to be that's the plan i I hope everything opens up as soon as the pandemic gets fixed because uh pointless theater seemed like a really really awesome place uh it was we had lots of people that like would come out you know from all over just to play or see a show and yes there's there's nary a reference that goes over the crowd's head uh, right. <laughs> Ann Arbor. <laughs> What's your background in improv and how did you become the education director? Oh, okay. I started improv in, t- so I got hired uh, at my job I still have in Ann Arbor and I started the fall of 2002 and I got duped into being the advisor for the school's improv club and I was like, okay. I didn't have any idea what it really was. Uh, an alum of our school's Naima Funk, who She's from Ann Arbor, and she was on Second City Chicago main stage at the time. She was in uh, Second City Detroit first, um, and then her and her husband, Josh, who also Second City guy, came back and did a workshop for these kids because her and the theater director were very good friends. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Second City? So I looked it up, and I was like, are you kidding me? These kids are going to get a workshop from uh, people from that place? So I literally jumped in and did the workshop with them, totally oh, unplanned, wow. uh, and I think a little unwanted. <laughs> uh, but I was like, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this," and I so I that. did. Uh, and that's how I started my improv path. That's and awesome. First, I took over the um, training center at Go Comedy in 2013. Okay. So I was director there. In, Our home. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, I still am. Uh, you know, we're just not doing anything with the training right in my mfa program in my very first class there was this woman named tori tamalia who i did a one my first piece was on improv and she came up afterwards she's like my husband does improv uh we just moved from minneapolis and like that's how i met tori and jason uh jason and i took like a class together and we, we were in separate programs with both performance-based. And then when they started down the road to doing Pointless, they met with me like a year or more before it even opened about wanting me to be the education director. So that's how I came into the Pointless fold. It's so cool the way it all kind of yeah was like faded to be. 
Yeah, uh, I don't think I've ever told that full story. Cause no, I've never heard that. I've known you. Well, yeah, how many hours have we spent in the car? You've never told me. <laughs> well, it was the way you asked the question, like the whole, yeah. like how I got here. I was like, oh, well, if I'm going to start, I'll start right from the beginning. Mm. Yeah. Stand up comedians are self-absorbed. And here I am wanting to know more about other people, Bob. Uh, yeah, because improvisers don't have egos. at all. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well yeah i, I guess yeah. i'm just a better friend to gary who i literally just met minutes ago bob than you are who've known him for years so no, i don't even remember names uh it's 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 all blurred trust me, me the there are things bob knows that i will not be discussing right now oh nice but i will discuss it right now <laughs> that's the kind of friend so Bob said that you are a big history buff. The secondary education that you teach, is it history or what do you teach? So my teaching certificate, uh, I am endorsed to teach history. And that's what okay. I did for my first five years. I only do computers and acting stuff now. Bob, did you know that already or did I you just that. learn something else? I, new? I got it written down on the wall right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you use red ink on your red wall. Yes. And it, <laughs> yes. You can't read it at all. You should really get different color I got, Sharpies. I got a degree in everything. Just read it. <laughs> so this episode of Voyagers, we start in Siberia with no known time. Then we jump into, I believe, 1817 for um, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, my God, I could be off by 100 years there. Uh, 1817. Or, yeah, it's. It sounds about right. Okay. Not 1917. No. Okay. I, I know. Mm, now that you say it, no, 1917 when the England was in was fighting World War One. Like, okay. So we now, uh, I, want, now I want to look it up. So yeah. we jump to <laughs> 17, but then Jeffrey has to jump out of there because he can't work his way around a flaming hay bale. <laughs> he goes to um, visit Thomas Edison. Yeah. In October. Of what year, Bob? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> the light year. <laughs> yeah. The year that Thomas Edison invents the light bulb. So that's the late 1800s. I do know that. Mm -hmm. okay. 1857? No, it would have been like an. I didn't know there was going to be a quiz. <laughs> <laughs> Just go by the patent. I know he worked on it for a long time, but it was like patent in like the late 1880s, if I'm not mistaken. I found a website called the Voyager's Guidebook. <laughs> and it has everything that would be easier for me to look at as opposed to going on. 1879. Uh, well, I was off by a decade. It, it came to me. Also, Lawrence of Arabia would have been around 1917. 1917 instead of 1817. Oh, yeah. Is it bad that I didn't know Lawrence of Arabia was a real dude until <laughs> two days ago? Well, I mean, if you type it in online, all you get is the movie. But. Yeah. He was I, I didn't even know who it was until I saw Full Metal Jacket for the first time. <laughs> who are you? Lawrence? Lawrence what? Lawrence of Arabia? <laughs> All right. I saw that when I was very young. I didn't. <laughs> You're not alone on that one, Bob. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, just, just as a side note, if you look up Lawrence of Arabia, the film on like IMDb and look at the cast, it's yeah. all white dudes. I know um, the whole and Omar like, Sharif. Yeah, that dude. Yeah. Oh, had, yeah. Yeah. Had a bunch he gets of a lot of guys in brown face. It's uh, not good. No, I think Alec Guinness is in it, too. 
Uh, Not playing a white guy. It's been so long uh, since I saw that movie. Yeah, Obi Wan. Usually we have our pick between three, or four, three or four, yeah, uh, moments in history. But this episode is just a really a twofer. Either of those jump out at you as a, a good jumping off point for uh, us to voyage to doing. And I'm I really think uh, I think Edison's workshop, which actually is right here in Detroit now. It is. Correct? Yeah, it's a, yes, a it, it's all run by fan belts and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You can go to like the Henry Ford and see it. So yeah. we should. That sounds like a nice place to play. I was just at the Henry Ford Museum and only looked at the Marvel display. <laughs> so well, that's not going to be there next year. So I think yeah. you just also time. Edison's in the the village, not in the museum. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's not really in the Henry Ford. He's in Greenfield Village. Yeah, well, you know, complex-wise, but yeah, I'm just trying to make myself feel better, considering you, I was off by a hundred years with Lawrence. I Arabia. You're trying to make that gap a little bit bigger between us improvisers and the comedians. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. Oh, the great war of what is Henry Ford Museum and what is Greenfield? <laughs> stand-ups to, can't even figure out where a display is if there's comics. <laughs> yeah, because uh, improvisers would never stop at a comic book. Mr. Edison, Mr. Mr. Ed- Edison. Yes, Watson. What is it? We've been spending a lot of time on this light bulb, and I know how important it is to you, sir. I, it's I, so I important. My wife, she won't love me again until I make artificial light. Oh, uh, that, I was just thinking over here. What if we, I don't know, yes, diversified. Watson. Diversified what? our interests. Do you mean expand the types of... Elements and metals will use for the filament in my electric bulb. Uh, yeah, that and other things. I mean, the guys are getting kind of bored watching you fail, sir. Bored, bored. Yeah, yeah. I know we're 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 a part of something big. I understand, but the guys, I, I, I don't blame the messenger. All right. One, thank you for not mentioning Nikola Tesla. That man is an is a godless heathen, and everything he says about electricity is false. It's false, I tell you. You're not thinking about diversifying into his realm, are you? Mama Starling, please answer the door. It's the 1870s and a woman's not allowed to open the door unless invited in as per vampire rules. Yes, dear. Do you have your corset on? Of course I do, dear. All right. Uh, Watson, get the door. Um, Thomas, I, I know you, you believe I won't love you until you invent this light bulb, but I've been trying to tell you for weeks, I'm gravely ill. And if you could just maybe take a little bit of time away from the light bulb and see to it that I get some medical help. I think if I invent the light bulb, dear, it will help you. The warm glow of artificial light will medicinally help you, dear. I have to work harder. Watson? Yes? Finish your story about diversification. I'm interested yet trepidatious. <coughs> I mean, oh, oh, I just cough on the workers. Dear. I just coughed a little blood into my handkerchief, and that's never oh, a that, good sign. It's really bad, sir. Oh, it's probably just the consumption early stages. We have lots of time. Uh, okay. Dear, okay. Are, you, I, I, are you questioning the man? No, I, I just want you to know that I oh. love you unconditionally, light bulb or not. Oh, well, me too, dear. And I'm doing all of this for you. I do not care about the glory. I don't care if I'll be remembered for all time as the inventor of this magical gift to the world. None of that matters. Correct, Watson? Yes, sir. Yes. Everybody thinks you're a great 
great human person. That's right. I would never do anything salacious or of anything like Nikola Tesla would do. Oh, like if I were to perish suddenly at a very young age, wouldn't remarry shortly afterwards? Or- Dear, I mean, societal norms would say that the man should marry again because my seed needs to continue into the human future. Oh, I understand. If only it were socially acceptable for a woman to check herself into a hospital, I could get the medical help that I How need. How dare but- you think such a... Watson, can you believe this? I, I cannot. But sir, you have brought up Nikola Tesla twice now. Did you say I- Nikola yeah. Tesla? Yes. That man can burn in hell. Well, Mr. Tesla has been at your workshop for the last hour, and he has been just charming everybody. He is here. He is in the yeah. workshop. He brought coffee. What? Real coffee. Uh, Eastern from, European drink. Yeah. Uh, and, and Danishes. <gasps> Scandinavian pastries in my workshop. And, and games. Games? Frivolity in the Edison workshop? It's been a real distraction, sir. So that's why I was saying maybe if we diversified, you, you, you could be the interesting one. Because, sir... There, he's he's very charismatic. How dare you speak of Edison to me in such a negative way? Are you are you snickering at me, Watson? I can't. Dear, was he snickering at me? Dear, are you still alive? Hello, Tommy. I'm afraid your wife has succumbed to uh, opium addiction. Actually, I believe it was not consumption. But here, let me get you a cappuccino. It's foreign. Oh, you're uh, got to try one of these. They're they're amazing. Your uh, your employees seem to enjoy them quite a bit. Tesla, you can just forget about it. I will do nothing for you. And also, opioid addiction is something from Asia. My wife would never do that. Well, I mean, she was being treated for her illness with opium. And uh, well, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's such an American way of doing things. Yes. Well, when we when we invent new medicines, we'll never use opioids again. I can just tell. Oh, well, hopefully you're not the one in charge of inventing these new medicines, considering how long it's taking you to invent the light bulb. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Tesla, you think you can just beat me at inventing the light bulb? Well, you know, it's taking me this long because direct current is the way to go. And I have to make the light bulb work with direct current, not your frivolous amplitude. Alternating current? Yes, that. Mm. I never, I don't allow that word in my workshop. (sighs) Oh, here, let me get you another cappuccino, Watson. What is this cappuccino? Here, have a Danish, too. No. Mm. He just carries them on him all the time. Well, I could make you a an, a an American muffin. How about that, Watson? Okay. Yeah, sure. It's very bland dough with apples because apples only grow in the United States. Uh, I think I'm full, sir. You're full of uh, Danishes, Tesla. Uh, I see my sound machine is working, Watson. As long as I keep... Turning it over here, we'll never be able to hear Tesla again. I said, I have this cheese Danish. <laughs> it's working, sir. It's working. Yes, He's yes. becoming more quiet. <laughs> He's shrinking, sir. He's shrinking. Oh, I only made it to, to deal with sir. sound. 
this is exactly what I was talking about. Why weren't you doing this from the beginning? This is amazing. I, I don't know. What else let's, can we shrink? Well, let's play it backwards and see if I can reverse him back. Getting bigger and bigger and He's growing, sir. He's oh, growing, sir. Watson, sir. Sir, he's going too far. Oh, he's getting too big. Oh, he's my clothes. He's a monster. Humiliated. I am large and humiliated because I cannot hide my nudity anywhere. And oh, nudity is a shame in the United States, not like it is in Europe. It's all a monster. His, Kill all it. Of, all of his clothes have ripped off, except his underwear as appropriate. I'll bring him back to normal. They're stretchy. Oh, much better. Oh, you've shamed me, Thomas Edison. I'm heading back to Europe. <laughs> Take that, Tesla. Do you guys like my spot on Nikolai Tesla? <laughs> oh, man. I'm known for my accent work. Is there anything people can do in the meantime to support the pointless brewery and theater for when it reopens? Uh, well, we are offering classes. The cl- oh, okay. The, the classes program is still going. Every new term, we have a more than minimum number of people signing up for uh, the first class, which is great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's been around nine to twelve, and twelve's a max. So, okay, uh, that's one way because we still have classes going. We've been doing them online since July, so all of our teachers have uh, experience teaching improv on Zoom and. Uh, I think you can still buy gift certificates. I'm not sure. I was going to say that. I'm like, well, I'm not sure. I will put a link to the uh, website for the Pointless Theater. And uh, if there are gift certificates on there, then people will be able to purchase them. And live theater is such a great gift that you can give someone during the holidays, which is when this episode will be out. Uh, And classes, too. I began performing by taking both stand up and improv classes. And uh, I knew that I knew that. Okay, thank you, Bob. I knew that that about you. (laughs) And it really was a life changer for me. I believe that everyone, regardless of what you do in life, whether you have an interest in being a performer or not, the life lessons that you can take away from taking improv classes are super invaluable. Yeah, I do know you you can buy you can buy someone a class. Yes, that is an option. And uh, the price is not what is lower now because Zoom classes are shorter. Rather than 225, it's 175 now because nice. It's still eight weeks, but it's two hours because three hours on Zoom is just not. Yeah. Oh, that's uncomfortable. Not humanly (laughs) good. Well, Gary, thank you so much for joining us, buddy. Thanks for having me on and being like the evil Edison. Can I (laughs) quick side story? Uh, you can look this documentary up on Amazon. The reason the United States used the electric chair for executions for over 50 years was because of Thomas Edison. And he was competing with Tesla, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and no one was adopting direct current because the distance you can send a direct current is really limited. But the uh, the other one, which I can never remember. Alternating. Alternating, you can send over long distances, so it's getting used. So he paid and funded the research for the first electric chair that used not direct current. Wow. Yeah, look it up. 
It's very oh. interesting. And and here I thought, uh, based entirely on the episode of Bob's Burgers, that um, <laughs> Thomas Edison was a monster for killing an elephant. Now I realize that uh, he killed a lot more than an elephant. Don't, don't. Well, I don't mean, all that. Heroes. Yeah, That's all that. Learned. That stuff they did in the Prestige about Edison sending stuff to destroy Tesla's work, all mm-hmm. true. Oh, yeah, wow. He, him and Henry Ford were very uh, close. Aggressive. Aggressive. <laughs> That's a good word. Yeah. Aggressive in keeping the their competition from inventing things that they wanted to invent. Thank you so much, Gary. It was great yes. meeting you. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for you, having me on. Absolutely. All right. So we're five down. We're both on board still. Yeah. Well, we're- you got the, the DVDs, right? Yep. We got the same. So I'm almost done with DVD number one. I think that was no, this last... is the end of DVD number yeah, one. This is end of DVD number one. Yeah. Where does this rank so far in the first five that we've watched for you? Uh, my least favorite. But not, Your least but not favorite? bad. But not bad. But my least. Yeah, because yeah, it didn't make it didn't do all the things I like, like make like the small connections between the two time periods, like we saw with uh the the slavery episode b- between the different, you know, eras and stuff like that. I mean not that all the, the the connections are strong and a good lesson. It just, I, I, I think they, they used to do, or not used to. I think they've done more in other episodes that I liked. This is my second least favorite. Um, still at the bottom is the Billy the Kid episode, which I know, mm. I mean, you and I both had some problems with because that's the one where Bog all of a sudden is feeling very paternal towards Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah, but, that was... Um, but I think I, I like I like the characters together rather than separate. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, definitely. that's what got me. Well, unlike us, maybe they didn't film all these in a row. So they, they might be showing them at a different. I could see that happening based on what sets they had access to, because even though okay. this is largely shot on the Universal backlot, it yeah. could be that they had access to the Old West Street that makes sense earlier than yeah. they had access to, you know, the, but um, I, I was just talking about like the emotional, like choices they made and yeah. Like, yeah. And what you see of the characters as far as like their, their relationship, but it, it could just be a, a hard thing of keeping in mind, like, Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Even though we already filmed an episode where our characters have grown together, we haven't aired that episode yet. So very true. So we'll be back again next week for episode six. This is going to be an interesting one. It's uh Cleopatra is in this next episode oh, right. called Cleo and the babe. So we're going to have a little bit of Cleopatra and a little bit of Babe Ruth. And it looks that, like we're also having some lucky Luciano and a little bit of Sir Isaac Newton. Wow. It's going to be a lot to choose from when it comes to the improv part. I like oh, that. yeah. Yeah. I think I we like should that. find a uh, female improviser in case we decide to do something with uh, Cleopatra there. I'll call Lauren Arnett after this. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need Lauren Arnett now. <laughs> so I can do my Mark Marin. Uh, hey, are we cool? Hey, hey. I say Mark Marin because, you know, I've been on an episode of WTF. And uh, what? Yeah. Did you know that about me? I did not. 